Riverdale, Season 3, Episode 16, Chapter 51, Big Fun. As rehearsals for this year's musical, Heather's the Musical, gets underway, Cheryl, as Queen Bee Heather Chandler, channels her own HBIC to deal with a recent fallout. It's the musical episode. It's the best episode of the year. (laughs) So I love musicals and I like them all the time, usually, but sometimes I get annoyed with the gimmicky aspect. But this was amazing. And because it's amazing, we had to bring on a guest. And that guest is my most theatrically inclined sibling. (laughs) My sister, April. That's me. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for being here to talk Heathers and Riverdale. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay, so first off, how do you feel about Riverdale? It's a mixed bag of emotions. Uh, That's that's accurate. (laughs) I love season one. Thought it was really interesting. Very, like, relatively clear storyline for a CW Mm -hmm. show. And then it was a fast decline for season two and three. Oh, the hot mess known as season two? Yes. Still loved it enough to watch it. But I I enjoy it. I think really interesting stories that happen. The characters are really interesting. And I grew up in the uh, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody phase. And so... uh, (laughs) Cole Sprouse really does it for me here. So Mm -hmm. I'm in for the long haul as long as Cole Sprouse is still on. Well, he's the narrator, so he can't die. Exactly. So I'm here for the long haul. Great. Had you seen the movie Heathers? Before the musical episode, yes. Okay. What did you think about the movie Heathers? I didn't grow up in that time period. Hey, neither did I. Neither did I. (laughs) That came out when I, like, no, shut up. Like late 80s, I guess. Shut up. 1988. I mean, it's so before, I think, my time that I didn't really, I think, appreciate it. I was like, wow, these people are making suicide a really inappropriate joke (laughs) a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I didn't really catch the whole, like, oh, this was a a big thing in the 80s. This is kind of when it was taking off and... So I didn't really catch that. I was just like, wow, this movie's offensive. So (laughs) yeah, that was kind of my initial thought of Heathers. When did you first see Heathers? Probably 17 or 18 in the peak of my musical theater career. (laughs) Okay. Now we have similar opinions. It was definitely like David and I did cover Heathers for Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What?, and so we've we've gone through that a little bit, but mostly it was just like, okay, they're kind of doing something really cool and subversive in the 80s mm-hmm. with all these teenagers, but they don't do it very well. Yes. So, and, and it's offensive and like there's a suicide and there's all the homophobia and there's a lot of date rapey stuff. And so that's just not the best thing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really understand, I think... They were trying to make it humorous, mm-hmm. but nothing really about that movie was humorous to me. It was so absurd, and that was kind of the point. There you go. What I do like is that Riverdale took a lot of that absurdity and used it more as the joke, mm-hmm. and I think it worked a little bit better. Totally. So were you excited to hear about the musical adaptation of Heathers? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was in the peak of like, 
spring awakening Ooh, becoming yeah. a thing, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, is this going to attempt to be the next spring awakening, but set in a high school? How are you going to turn this into something that is, you know, relevant in this time period mm-hmm. without being offensive? So mixed feelings about how that would go. And uh, a couple of years ago, our alma mater did the world premiere of the high school version uh-huh. of Heather's, <laughs> which feels really bizarre. <laughs> yes. I remember you talking about it. You weren't mm-hmm. there for it as a student, but Correct. you like you still have a relationship with that director. Mm-hmm. I grew up in that theater department too. And I remember like driving by and seeing the signs and be like, oh, okay, cool. And now it's like, oh, that was a much bigger deal than I remember. All right. So Riverdale, the musical episode. Last year they did (laughs) Carrie and this episode was hated by a good chunk of the Mm -hmm. fans. It was very split. And from what I've seen now, some people kind of, there's a lot more eye rolling at it, but more people, there's less intense hate about it. You either love it or you kind of hate it. Totally fair. I'm firmly in the I love it because I (laughs) I really feel like they picked the perfect musical for these characters and the songs they picked from the musical really told the story of the characters in Riverdale and not purely the musical. Agreed. I think that was one of the flaws of the Carrie episode was that I don't think there was a lot of storytelling. It was like, oh, we're at rehearsal, so we're going to sing this song. But it didn't really drive any kind of story. And this episode, they chose a musical that has themes that actually match the reality of Riverdale. Yes. And so it helped actually tell a story and not just, oh, here's some cool, flashy episode, which it was. But... It did more than just that. It wasn't a gimmick just purely for a gimmick's sake. It was like, okay, we're going to tell our story this way this week. Mm -hmm. To start off this episode, we're going to get into our our going our scene by scene. David, you need to recap the recap. Reggie wants to matter. Veronica can't match him with his offer. Sweet Pea and Josie got hooked up. Then she's with Archie. Tony and Cheryl broke up. Jughead jacuses Gladys. Jughead recruits Betty to take her down. Kevin joined the cult. Midge got murdered and we're doing Heathers. Okay, so we start off without wasting any time. We're in Weatherby's office and Hermione, our mayor, is like, why are we doing this? It's got violence and suicide. And with all the shit we've had going on with all the suicides with Griffins and Gargoyles and last year's musical with someone being murdered, maybe we shouldn't do this. A fair point. Seems like an appropriate concerned parent. Exactly. This one time. <laughs> this one time. This one time she's not a horrible parent. And Kevin's here and he's just like, Love. Heather's deals with teen alienation <laughs> and desperation. But the characters long for a simpler, more innocent time. That is Riverdale. That is That should mm-hmm. be the, how we describe Riverdale from now on. Could be their new tagline. It should be. If you want to describe how they've adapted Riverdale, that's the line. So he starts the song Beautiful and he's going to explain to the parents via song why they should do this musical. <laughs> Hold your breath and count the days we're graduating soon. College will be paradise if I'm not dead by June. But I know, I know life can be beautiful. I pray, I pray for a better way. 
If we change back then, we could change again. We can be beautiful, just not today. And okay, I love Casey Cod. I've been dying to see him sing on this show, but they didn't quite hit the mark with him and this song. I feel like the song is great. It's great exposition. It explains everything. But his voice in it is not great. Granted, it's not the most show-stopping song, even though it's the start It's the start of Heather's musical. I was thankful that some of the people who sung in this episode were not the strongest singers. Yeah. So I appreciate that even though they went with the start of this show, they chose that song to start the episode with, they at least chose someone who was vocally a powerhouse to at least start us off in a strong direction. The lip syncing. Oh, it kills me every time on these. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they're not it the best with their lip syncing. better than Carrie. Carrie yeah. was God awful. Where all the time, like, Cheryl is belting the show-stopping tune and then her mouth is barely moving on screen. And I'm going, come on, y'all. <laughs> I know y'all have the money to live mic this. We could just do it if we really wanted mm-hmm. to. So the the one that galled me on this one was Lily. I was like, come on, Lily. You know how to do better than this. <laughs> so I like the little choreography in the hallway with the group and Kevin, and then everyone starts joining in. We cut to Veronica singing at Pops about how she wants to get oh. away. This is the best her voice has ever sounded on this show. This is the only way she should be allowed to sing because this is her this is her wheelhouse. Every other time she's sung on the show, it's been garbage, but this was great. I like that Veronica is looking for a bouncer now at Pops because, you know, her and Poor Reggie, Reggie. Dunzo. Ugh. We cut to Archie and Josie. They're singing their lines and like, you know, <laughs> it can be beautiful, just not today. Then we cut to, you know, what is now Jughead and Betty's room in the new Jones's house. Uh-oh. And ugh. Like we get a lot of Betty talking and Jughead's trying to figure out what's going on because he needs to find the the lab that his mom has created. And uh, I like that Betty starts singing. And then we all know, we all know J- Cole Sprouse famously did not want to sing last year, decided mm-hmm. he was going to do it this year. And so we're all waiting. Is he going to sing? Is he going to sing? Is he going to do it? And he just gets one line, just not today. <laughs> and and I was like, ooh, you cheeky bastards. I love it. <laughs> then they like look, get this little smirk. It's this little bughead smirk at each other. And then they walk away. Yeah. <laughs> we come back to school for the the towards the end of the song. We've got the everyone's in a classroom. I love the desk choreography. It's great. It is hard to dance in a desk. I'm just going to say that. It is hard. And Fang's an SP. What did I get him? <laughs> I love the uh, inserted line from Hermione. Are you all this miserable? <laughs> Where have you been, woman? Where have you been? <laughs> like you're the reason everyone's so miserable. Well, mm-hmm. she's been trying to sell Drugs to Gladys Jones <laughs> yeah. and deal with a drug dealing husband. And and then we get the lovely, you know, oh, and then Cheryl Blossom floating above it all as Heather Chandler. And then I love I love the three girls doing Heather, Heather, and Heather. It's very cute and just very creepy, but in the best way. Cheryl's the mythic bitch. Truth. Truth. Very, very, very true. Truth. And so they sing about, you know, makeup will fix everything. And now we get all of the cast members walking together. They're going into the theater. I like seeing Betty and Veronica hand in hand. Like, there's no drama between them. They're just friends. 
Mm-hmm. I love that. We haven't gotten very much of that. They've barely been in the same room this season. You know, and then we we end the, the song with It's a Beautiful Freaking Day, which clearly is is a censor. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no way that's that song. Yeah. Not for this show. But it's so cute. And so now we get to introductions. And Evelyn Evernever is going to help produce the musical, oh boy. Uh, which, you know, Betty's got objections to. But Kevin's just like, yes, it's always been stressful, Betty, especially after last year's events. <laughs> <laughs> He's so overwrought. And Fangs is just like, can we not talk about Midge, please? Thank you, Fangs. I, I had forgotten that Fangs and Midge were hooking up. I forgot about that. Yep. But we've got Josie playing Veronica Sawyer. We've got Sweet Pea playing JD, who is supposed to be Veronica's bad boy love interest. I roll. Yes. Uh, Reggie Mantle, a.k.a. Ram Sweeney, gonna <sighs> broad up with my bud Arch here, just two single straight dudes doing some theater. Okay. <laughs> One, I love this, but also this is toxic masculinity, and it's a big side eye for me. And Josie, apparently. Then uh, Kevin throws a wrench into uh, Cheryl's hopes and dreams because he introduces... Tony as the choreography. And this is a perfect cut too. Um, does anyone have a chainsaw? Because what the Riverdale? <laughs> uh, that is a line from the movie in a great Cheryl moment. Mm-hmm. Mm, love it, love it, love it. Evelyn leads some relaxation exercises. Oh, this is cast bonding. Bonding oh. together. <laughs> cast meditation if you will they're in the doghouse hey! hey and she's just like okay there are universal truths within each of your personal experiences a you inside of me a me inside of you this is just garbage and obnoxious mm-hmm. i mean i actually love this stuff but i'm a weirdo like that <laughs> you're a weird methody dude and i hate that garbage I just act. Not yes. method at all i'm i'm very of that just act are you sad act sad <laughs> it's not that easy <laughs> It should be most of the time. Can we can we please mention Evelyn Evernever's rainbow farm shirt? I love it. I want one. I want one. The most ridiculous yes. thing. I want I want a the farm shirt in the 70s rainbow style. It makes me so happy. It's so bad and so great at the same time. I will find it online later. We will get them April. Blessings. Thank uh, you. Yes. Just <laughs> tell me what size you want. <laughs> As crunchy as this is, I like that they're throwing us off of Evelyn for like half a second being like, I'm just doing this thing with my friend Kevin Keller and I love getting to be with you guys. And we all know it's a cult. She seems a little more normal. Like in, I feel like in all of the other episodes, she's just been like freaking crazy. Yeah. And, I mean, it's she's a part of a cult, but in this, it's like, okay, you're kind of weird, but maybe it's because you like theater. Yeah, that can be a thing. It is, yeah. She's a little crunchy. She's a gr- little granola. And part of the farm is about psychology and overcoming, you know, mental blocks and things like that. So there's something about it. You know, all these kids are dealing with frustration that it works. It's just that they don't realize there's an ulterior motive. It's got a weird Scientology vibe aspect to it, which I I do love thinking about that. And that is the mode that I see Evelyn in so much. Like, I'm going to use everything I've learned to the farm to project this persona and encourage other people to join me. Like classic recruiter. Oh, yeah. Love it. So we come back from our commercial break and it is time to go to the candy store. You like the juice, go play duck duck goose, let your mommy fix you ice cream. Whoa! Or come hang with 
song. Heck yeah. By the Heathers is a great song about how awesome they are. But Tony is there to help do choreography. Cheryl's not having it. They've come up with their own. Everyone is rehearsing in costume, which this never fucking no. happens. Come on, people. <laughs> like, what uh, is this? This is bullshit. No, we don't do uh-uh. this. This is wrong. Well, they don't have enough money for a theater teacher, but they have <laughs> enough money to have costumes in the rehearsal process. Well, the farm is sponsoring it, of course. <laughs> That's true. Oh, of course. It's the cult. It's the cult. But I do want to point out, so we've got the three Heathers and the red, yellow, green mm-hmm. plaid outfits. Tony is wearing a matching purple plaid skirt. She doesn't have the jacket on, but she's got the skirt. I love it. It's just another one of those, like, she's similar, but she's not the same. And so we get this song. It's a good song. I like the croquet mallets. It's it's cute and sexy, but then it's Tony's turn, and it is not as good because it's more explicit. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot, it's a little more um more club style. <laughs> And then they start going back and forth. They're dance fighting with each other. And there's just so much freaking ass. I'm, I'm going to rub my ass on you. I'm going to rub my ass on you. And it's just like, okay, y'all either need to bone or go home. Like One of those things needs to happen. But this is stop. not how you dance off. Well, I am reminded of the dance off in season one between Veronica and Cheryl. And that was appallingly bad. Yeah, it was. That was embarrassing. My only thing here is that this is the one song. There were a couple of others that didn't quite hit the mark. This was the one song that it was like, we're trying really hard to write around this song. Really hard. And it's not really working. This was the this was the one song that didn't work for me in the context of the show. Not that it's a bad song. It's just that this song doesn't fit any of the story they're trying to tell. I think in the musical, it doesn't have a huge storytelling aspect either. It's the introduction to the Heathers. Exactly. And this was the really the only song, though, that I enjoyed the choreography. Agreed. Oh, yeah. it, had, it had good choreography. For a Cheryl section. I did mm-hmm. not like Tony's whatever was happening in that corner <laughs> of the stage. That I could have yeah. done without. No. Um, but Cheryl's was awesome. There is a part of me that loves the cartoonishness of her whipping her hair and us <laughs> hearing a whipping sound. Yes. Every time Tony Topaz flips her hair. That, that was good. That's enjoyable. Also, Cheryl jumping in. Shut up, I, Tony. Oh, yes. At, towards the end. Yeah. How very. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming back in my life. How very. So they finish. Betty goes up to Evelyn. She's all like, I know what you're doing. Like Betty's trying to confront this lady who is just like being super inconspicuous and just has nothing. Evelyn's line back is one of the greatest things ever. Lowering Sweet Peas solo? <laughs> <laughs> like you shady, shady chick. Yeah. So Betty like calls her on this whole thing. Like you've strong armed your way into co-directing and your warm up sermons, exercising trauma through art, screams, cult recruitment. And I love Evelyn's responses to just put her hand on hers. Because Betty, dissect these trust issues. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. And she's just like, the farm is producing and I'm co-directing the musical for one simple reason, to have big fun which is so fucking cheesy, but I love it. <laughs> I mean, look at her shirt. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's what you say. Uh, so she, Evelyn invites the whole cast for a party at the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Creepy. 
and she's like, I know it seems a little weird or methody, but come in costume. Absolutely not. <laughs> and I just wrote, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Where the fuck is the costume designer? Okay, the stage manager me wanted to have a panic attack at that. Right? Mm, just agreed. No. 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 <laughs> All right, so we, we cut on over to the sheriff's office, and FP's doing some hard work. Mm. Good. <laughs> and at that desk looking real good. It's, it's yes yes very mm. nice and jughead's there he's asking you know what's going on and fp's like yeah tent city was ransacked and our trailer was stolen oh the whole damn trailer was stolen <laughs> and but it was their trailer yeah and jughead's like wait missing pharmaceuticals and a stolen house on wheels that sounds like a mobile drug lab <laughs> and uh, FP's like, yeah, but, you know, whatever. There's a lot of desperate people. And Jughead's like, okay, maybe we can go find it. And FP's like, it's worthless. And Jughead's like, it's not to me. It was our home. And FP's just like, it was our home for too many years. And FP clearly wants to just let this go. He's kind of like good riddance. And Jughead is like heartbroken over this. And it's sweet and sad. Then we go over to another sad scene. We go to the Pembroke and Veronica's home. She's going to change. And Hiram and Hermione are sitting there all solemn. And they're like, um, we're separating. And she doesn't believe them. Hiram is just says, I'll be staying the five seasons indefinitely. It's already been decided. We wanted to tell you in person. Uh, Veronica asks what's going on. And he says, ask your mother and leaves. Veronica tries to ask her mom some stuff, and she just says, he knows. I'm going to go take a bath. You go have fun with your friends. <laughs> so, but she says it even more distantly and monotone than that. Yeah, I, I have made the prediction that Hermione is not making it out of the season alive, and I am sticking by that. Yeah, I pretty much. I, she's just, one, her character is not interesting, and I just think it would be more interesting to kill her off or send her away. Or if she got sucked into the farm cult. I don't think they'd want her, honestly. <laughs> She's like, she she that doesn't make any sense. Them. But she doesn't have any money. Hiram's the one with all the money because he's got all the deals. She's got to finish him off then. It's just, yeah. So I could this do is, without her. Yeah, no. And I, if we get rid of her and Hiram stops being like full on mob boss, we can get back to like comic book Hiram where he's kind of like, a weirdo rich overbearing father but he's also just he just loves his daughter yeah you don't get any of that right now no he's just a bad dude who's twirling his mustache <laughs> <laughs> okay so it's time for the sisters of quiet mercy cast party mm, naturally everyone's in costume and veronica shows up and she's just like okay I need a libation. So they all start doing jello shots. Jeez. And Evelyn starts the song Big Fun. You all look good tonight. And it's super cheesy. Kevin all of a sudden has a perm now. And so they're dancing back and forth between what is the baptismal chamber, which is weird. Reggie and Veronica start making out. Josie and Archie start making out. Sweet Pea's getting all excited and he sees Josie and Archie and he doesn't like it. The pretty poisons show up. 
Uh, then we do a grease hand jive back into the baptism chamber. There's there's people in the tank. Yeah, who the fuck are in the baptism I don't know. tank? <laughs> Drunk people. So yeah, they're just all partying. It's a super cute song. I thought it was I was cute. But it was such a weird place to do it. It is definitely a weird place to do I it. I just I didn't I didn't get it. It just didn't fly for me. It felt just so awkward and pendant and weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish they were just at somebody else's house, not the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, because that's that's where it gets mm-hmm. weird and awkward. Well, you know, you got to give them a safe place to let down their walls and party. Oh, my God. They just all seem too okay with the fact of where they are. Like, surely they're all aware of what's happened. Cheryl should have been standing by the door ready to bolt. Right? Yes. If if she was the only one who expressed, I don't want to be here, it would have made it all seem a little more okay. Because there's only one person who does, and that's Betty. Yeah. And she's really only there to, like, watch everybody else. Mm -hmm. She's the party mom right now, and that's good, because you need a party mom. (laughs) We need one. It's important. Hey, teens who are partying make sure that you've got someone you can trust to like make sure you don't like die at a party designated drivers are important and they do really good work so especially if it's hosted by a cult yeah especially sure like that should just go without saying (laughs) hey mom i'm going to scientology tonight i need a driver in case there's cooling or in case they don't let me leave. Yeah, or can you can you maybe like go ahead and schedule my Uber for me? Thanks. <laughs> Before I sign a lifelong contract. A billion year contract. <laughs> oh, oh. So we cut over to Veronica's room and her and Reggie have just hooked up and Reggie's super excited. He's like, oh, I was afraid this was never going to happen again, but maybe we are meant to be together. Maybe we're endgame. Oh, no, Reggie. Oh, oh no. Poor oh, Reggie. No, 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 no. But nice callback. Veronica just reaches over and smooches him to shut him yeah, up. I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with these feelings. Let's uh, bone that away. <laughs> uh, we go back to Sisters of Quiet Marcy and Kevin is getting hungry so Evelyn offers him an organic brownie with farm grown maple mushrooms baked in uh-huh. they're transformative no fucking shit <laughs> so are we thinking these are magic mushrooms laced with fizzle rocks because it is maple yeah, mushrooms that sounds about right she does tell him to eat with a big gulp of water that's a fair tip so he, he goes into the hallway to get some water from the fountain and he looks up and he sees Midge stabbed to the wall and in blood it says it's all your fault. You killed me, Kevin. Yeah. And it is the actress who uh, played Midge previously. So I like that she came back to do that. Hi. Hi. Actress who was barely used, whose character sucked, but it's not your fault. Yeah. <sighs> so we, we cut to, we're back at the theater. It's the next day and... Last night was big fun, but now it's time to dig deep. So we're each going to share something that we've never told anyone before, big (laughs) or small. Okay. Because that's how I like to start rehearsal. Kevin Keller is a completely irresponsible director for (laughs) Yes, But he is in the cult. He's in the cult. I understand. And he's like, what, 17? But (laughs) no director should ever be doing this with their cast. Ever. Art as therapy should only be done by licensed therapists. Yeah, this is blind leading the blind. So Kevin says that he's been haunted by Midge's ghost and he's been seeing, seeing her all the time. Fang says, yeah, I've been seeing her too, not as a ghost, but in nightmares. Evelyn says that this is beautiful because they have a connection. Ugh. And Kevin puts his hand <laughs> on his heart like, aw, which 
I feel so sad for Kevin, but also I want Kevin and Fangs together forever. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. They're adorable. That was my favorite part of the musical last year was Kevin and Fangs <laughs> together. It cracked Agreed. me up. Sweet Pea says, I've got something. I know it was just supposed to be a summer fling and uh, she didn't want a relationship, but I did. So it really blew to see Archie and Josie getting cozy last night. <gasps> and Betty's like, Arch, are you and Josie dating? Um, well, did you know about this? What? And so there's all this back and forth. So Reggie's mad at Veronica. He goes, oh, the fact that your ex boo has a new girlfriend has nothing to do with you suddenly being all in with me. Veronica finally just says, I just found out my parents are separating. Bombshell. Yeah. She says, my family's unconventional, but I always thought no matter what, they'd stay together. And like everyone is just kind of like, oh, shit. And Evelyn says, and that is what we call in the theater call a breakthrough. No. No, we don't. No, that's a fact. It's not a breakthrough. But also, breakthroughs don't happen in theater. They happen in therapy. <laughs> Stop it. Ooh. And Betty is making her disgusted and disappointed mom face. Good. She's the theater mom today. Somebody should. We go to Archie and Josie. You know, Archie's like, okay, I guess people know. And Josie is not happy. She's mad at Sweet Pea. Archie's just kind of like, okay, you know, like, let's just make it official and Josie's like hey we were lonely when we got together and that's not great and Archie's just like oh so that's what you think we are just lonely souls filling the void which is fair I mean like I get Josie's apprehension but she's she's not being great okay so now we're in the theater seats and it's Reggie and Veronica and he's like okay so that's the real reason why didn't you tell me Veronica says you know I wanted to ignore it which is honest. I feel like she's finally like being real with Reggie. And Reggie's just like, I think this sucks, but I don't think you and I being together should be happening right now. And so he gets up to wise. <laughs> and I'm just like, fuck yeah, Reggie, because he's not, he doesn't want to take advantage of a bad situation. He only wants to be with Veronica if Veronica really does want to be with him. Amen. I love it. It's so it's so refreshing to see because they they have made Reggie seem like this alpha jockey male, but he's got a heart. He has some self-respect, but he also like has genuine feelings for Veronica and he just wants those to be returned. Totally. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I wrote it was like, you're 17, dude. Like there are so many other girls in that school that you could go date and be fine. Yeah, no, that's like the super mature thing to do. So I love that, again, we've got a teenager making a very wise emotional choice. <laughs> Yay. Because there aren't a lot of those on this show. <laughs> Correct. Because <laughs> the adult shirts, fuck, aren't showing those off. <laughs> so we go to Cheryl, you know, primping in the bathroom. Evelyn comes in. What's your damage, child of the corn? <laughs> <laughs> that's a twofer, and I love it. They gave Cheryl all of the best Heather's references, and I truly enjoy it. Evelyn tells her, you know, there's something going on in the hall you want to see, and we walk out in the hall, and we see Tony in this skin-tight red outfit, and Cheryl loses it. She's like, do you have a lobotomy for breakfast? You're wearing my signature color. <laughs> and Tony's like, you don't own this color red. It existed before you. And uh, Cheryl's like, not at Riverdale High. Sorry, but this school's not big enough for both of us faux pink lady. Again, another another <laughs> Grease call. I love it. I love the Grease context because I feel now like next year's going to be Grease. 
just so they mm. can have the pregnancy scare written in perfectly. <laughs> it's coming. We're going to have a pregnancy scare. This is a teen show. You can't not. Oh, you're so right. I'm surprised we haven't had one by now. I've predicted it several times and I've been wrong so far, but I feel like a pregnancy scared handled badly is what's going to make Bughead break up. Serial killers, mm. murderous D&D games, and cults. We have a lot of ground. They've been busy. <laughs> Sex is just a stress release. Yeah. Eventually someone's going to forget to use protection or shit happens because it does. Uh, she tells Tony she's got to leave. And I'm just like, who the fuck do you think you are, Cheryl? You are not in charge of everyone's being. We, we, we also must mention her signature line. I am red. <laughs> I invented red. I am red. So now Tony gets the song uh, Dead Girl Walking. Here's an option that I'd like. Spend these 30 hours getting free. Which I like that they gave this song to Tony because it gets to showcase this actress and she's great. I think she did a good job. She's walking down the hall and she's just like, she's trying to figure out how she wants to deal with, you know, being basically ostracized by Queen Bee. And she sees her gang member friend Peaches and starts flirting with her and getting all grinding and you know sexual with her then she spies sweet pete grabs him and starts doing the same thing so she takes him to the theater points one in one direction one in the other she's gonna start a threesome and all of a sudden i'm going wowzers we can't wow. all make good decisions <laughs> it's true and so like they all start getting undressed and as tony is singing this song she sees in the theater cheryl singing beautiful and that kind of freaks out Tony. And then she keeps singing her song. And then she sees Cheryl again. And then she is just like, you know, let's make this beautiful. And then both Sweet Pea and Peaches say, oh, that works for me. And Tony's like, stop. I shouldn't have brought you guys here. I can't do this. And so she walks away. And Sweet Pea and Peaches are just kind of like, what do we do now? <laughs> we head into the secret bunker that everyone knows about. <laughs> <laughs> Literally every kid in town. I mean, if you keep having meetings in there, it's no longer a secret bunker. That's what they should put a sign out there for. <laughs> they should label it that. So Jughead is telling all of his serpent gargoyle dudes, go find the trailer. Let me know what's going on. And, you know, Betty's there, of course, because she's the serpent queen. And she's just like, yeah, I, I found out there's a closed rehearsal for select cast members in the gargoyle cha chamber. Can I borrow your camera? Smile. <laughs> is adorable it it is pretty adorable the way she says that to him so she goes to the gargoyle chamber and she opens the door and there oh, is a ceremony gosh. going on all the kids are dressed in white we've got kevin and fangs kneeling in on pillows in front of evelyn who's clearly giving some sort of sermon ceremony and they're basically they're singing the song our love is god I worship you I trade my life for yours We'll make them disappear We'll plant our heart in here Our love is God Our love is God 
is God. Our love is God. Our love is God. Our love is God. Our love is God. And they basically got in cult married. And all mm-hmm. the kids in the room are wearing white sunglasses, which I do adore. I, I think the visual is great. Evelyn is fabulous in this scene. Betty takes photos of all of this. She gets spooked and confused. And I'm I'm really happy for Kevin and Fangs. And I hope they stay together, just not in a cult. <laughs> I just, that's like, I'm happy they're together. I I, I just don't want them to be in the cult. I, I love, I love the way they perform this song. The way they mm-hmm. mixed it in with these two characters, it works perfectly with the cult. And this was the scene I feel like that was the biggest nod to Heather's the movie. Because the white sunglasses, mm-hmm. the pews and stuff, that was from a funeral scene, ironically, mm-hmm. in Heather's the movie. Yeah. But I like how they kind of flipped it and it's like, okay, they're singing about this thing that is actually like joyful and life-giving mm-hmm. as opposed to death and awful so yeah. i think it's interesting how they kind of contrasted that moment oh it's it's great and the visuals are beautiful so yes. they, like production mm-hmm. costumes y'all did a great job because i loved it mm-hmm. so we come back from our commercial break and it's archie's boxing and the, his little ring and josie comes in and archie just lays it out he's just like if you don't want to be in a relationship with me because you're not into me that's fine but if you like me Let's figure out what we are so we can be together. And let's then they start singing the song, you know, fight for me. It's fine if you don't agree, but I would fight for you if you would fight for me. It's just all about fighting for each other. And it's cute and sweet and a nice moment for both of them. A little cheesy, but, you know, I'll, I'll roll with it. It's fine. It's, you know, it's a standard musical cheesy I love you song. <laughs> yeah. And for, and sure. for this show, we don't get a whole lot of those happy moments like this. So it's nice. I'll take yeah. it. So we, we, we go on over to Weatherby's office and Betty has the photos. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Heathers is being used <laughs> to indoctrinate students into a cult. And Weatherby's just like, it looks like these two boys are simply rehearsing. Uh, and she's like, no, this is part of a religious ceremony, a ritual. And Weatherby's like, you know, the farm's a fully sanctioned club approved by me after I read Edgar's doctrines, which I must say, I found quite fascinating and appealing. Ah, oh, fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. There's another adult in the cult. I mean... We've been waiting for whatever the shit is going on with Weatherby for this long now. And it's the cult. Like, that's the turn you're going to make with him. They've just not used him well. He's had this intensity that hasn't made sense ever. And and I've, I've said that I, I like it because it could be used in such an interesting way later since we have no idea. So now that we're actually like going to put him into play is interesting. But again, why the intensity? Where did it come from? It feels like they've shoehorned it in because for so long they've done nothing with his character. 
So Betty leaves that meeting disappointed. She's on the phone home with Jughead. She says, well, Weatherby's part of the farm. And Jughead says, hey, come meet me at Junkyard, Junkyard Steve's. Steve's. We've been there before. That's where we found the, the head of the statue thing. We go to Cheryl's bedroom and she is laid out and dressed exactly like Heather in the movie. And Tony comes in. Cheryl asks, is that drain cleaner? No. And the cup <laughs> that she has is the exact same cup from the movie. It's got that weird top to it. I love it. It's beautiful. No, again, another great callback to the movie. And Tony's there to ask her why they're fighting. And she asks her what love was like in her family. Oh, so good. And she was like, it was all or nothing. Pure adoration or distilled hate. She said that Thornhill was a den of shadow and JJ, her brother, was her only light. And when he died, it was dark again until her. And then it felt like you were disappearing on me. And Tony says, you know, I'm, I'm not gone. And maybe it's not too late for us. And Cheryl is a cunt. There's just no two ways about it. <laughs> it. It's just the way it is. Now, I appreciate that Tony is asking her this question because we do have to acknowledge the fact that Cheryl has never been shown love in an unconditional way by anybody. But Tony should not have to do this much emotional labor for Cheryl. She shouldn't have to. But the question is, does she want to? Well, and that's okay. But again, it makes Tony a, a doormat to a degree because Cheryl keeps doing these truly heinous, horrible things and getting away with it because she's just, oh, I'm damaged Cheryl. I want to be sympathetic because she's supposed to be 16, 17. But also, like, you are fully aware of what you're doing when it comes to manipulating people you have to take responsibility for that. And you can't keep playing this poor little card. It's going to be interesting to see how they deal with it as we go along. <laughs> They're not going to deal with it later. <laughs> and for me, the big thing there is that there is an opportunity by doing this to actually push it in that direction. Especially with Tony opening up in that mm -hmm. way to basically make it... I mean, it opens Cheryl up to finally be vulnerable for once and really honestly vulnerable. Yeah. So again, don't trust these writers, but if they did do it right, there's an opportunity here to reclaim things. No, and, and it's, it's perfect. And it did, it did need to be discussed in show. Like we, we did need to talk about the fact that she had never been shown love because we've seen her dad and her mom. And oh, they're her whole family. Fucking crazy. All right, now we go to... The Joneses trailer, which has fully been turned into a drug lab. And Jughead is so beyond heartbroken by this. He's just he just looks at it and says, My mom destroyed it. <gasps> and we have this quick cut to Kevin coaching the cast on this song. Like, oh, you know, 17 is the emotional climax of the movie. And then we cut to Jughead sits down on the couch. He takes off his hat and he just starts crying. And this is oh. probably the most beautiful sequence in this this episode. And I have, I have no doubt that they picked Heather's the musical mostly for this song. Maybe prom night, maybe dancing. Don't stop looking in my eyes. Can we be
because it's so perfect because the question we ask is, aren't these kids teenagers? Where's Mm -hmm. the teenager thing? And here we have in-universe in this musical as well asking the question, can't we just be 17? It is so beautiful and gets the exact right emotional notes that they want to have. Uh, it's just, ugh, I, I love it. This is the best acting I've ever seen from Cole Sprouse. And his voice isn't bad either. I was a fan. I mean, I am always a fan when Cole Sprouse is on screen. He could be saying nothing, and I am a fan. <laughs> but I was very impressed. He showed me some depth. And then I'm sure it helps when you're singing to, you know, your real life girlfriend. Yeah. It helps with the chemistry read, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, singing into someone else's mouth is very awkward. <laughs> it is weird. I don't care and yet I if you're together it. or not. It is weird. And and so they sing it the song. Sweet. And Tony and Cheryl also sing the song. And so everyone's being all sexy and cute. And they all sing that they're, they're the one that they choose. And it's just perfect. And I love it. We go to a commercial and we come back and Betty and Jack had our <laughs> pops. And Jack is like, well, well, maybe we can steal the trailer back while everyone's at the play. And I can, and he, he has this whole plan. And Betty just looks at him and just like, you know, maybe that idea is more emotional than practical because there's another thing you could do. And Jack is like, what? You could let it go. And Jughead hadn't even considered that. Betty had to let her home go. Like, she's still mm. living there with the Joneses. That's not her home anymore. She's had to fully let her entire childhood go. Because, you know, her dad's a serial killer, too. There's that. And Jughead, uh, again, with the acting, Cole, you're so good in this scene. The whole thing. It just uh, it's made beautiful. my heart so happy. And it's beautiful. Again, like you pointed out, it's so good because it answers the fundamental question that we always kept asking. And just for a moment, we got them to get, they, yeah. they all got to be real and open mm-hmm. and vulnerable about that feeling. Ugh, and now we get Veronica dealing with her crap. She's at the five season asking her dad to come home. She's like, you know, so what if this is what mom did? And Hiram says, you know, I know your mom tried to have me killed twice. So did you, jackass. <laughs> so did you. She says, you know, you always say family is the most important thing. Hiram says, Family's trust, and you and your mother betrayed me, so there's no family oh. anymore. He always gets the best awful lines. Wow. Oh, it's great. We cut to the theater. Kevin's going up to Veronica. He's like, you know, Veronica, your solo's up. I was going to talk about the devastating loneliness your character <laughs> feels at this moment, but it seems like you're there, so take it away. That was the most appropriate director comment he made. I know! So his direction <laughs> is good. Uh, flawed, but good. His instincts are pretty good. (laughs) So Veronica sings Lifeboat. I'm hugging my knees and the captain is pointing. I thought I was captain. Still, the weakest must go. The tiniest lifeboat. Again, a perfect song for her yeah. character. I oh, the line, the tiniest lifeboat filled with people I know. It's so hauntingly beautiful. I love it. I did. She kills the song. She does. She sounds like a fucking Disney princess. She's that good. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. 
in the middle of her singing this song, we have a scene with her at the speakeasy with her parent. She's like, I'm not trying to parent trap you. Lovely reference. <laughs> I just want y'all to come to opening night together. One last happy memory. Oh, so beautiful. We go over to the Cooper Jones house now. FP comes in and he's got scratches and blood on him. Apparently some fizzle head that was tweaked out, you know, was in the middle of the damn road. The candy store is definitely back open and I'm going to find whoever's cooking up that crap. And Gladys is she's like, oh, stone faced like drugs. It's terrible. What a nightmare. And Betty and Jughead are making faces at each other. So they decide that they got to go do a little pre-show tradition, a quick stop before the show. So they'll meet them there. And Gladys is concerned. We cut to backstage dressing rooms. You know, we sign my program. Yes. 10 minutes to places. Thank you, 10. Love it. <laughs> Kevin is wearing the same tux from last year. The shirt, at least the little, the old school ruffly tuxedo shirt. Veronica is, you know, looking at her parents out in the front row. They're not even talking to each other. Cheryl's putting on her makeup. She's my favorite part. And she blots on Tony's lips. Very cute. <laughs> I love it. I actually it's, love it's, it. It's, it's cheesy, but it's cute. cute. It's very them. I'm fine with it. A little eye rolly, but okay. And then Betty and Jughead show up. They're all covered in soot and dirt. And they're like, okay, get into makeup fast. And Kevin says, oh, Betty, make sure he knows his line and choreography for the finale. And Jughead's like, what? I am not in the cast. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. And so now we have the whole cast in a chorus line with Tony as fucking Martha, which is horrible. No, thank you. It should have been mm -hmm. Ethel. I don't know why Shannon Purser's not in this episode. I didn't bother to look it up, but that's just bad. Just no. And we see Betty and Jughead have burned down the trailer. They're in Jughead's car or Betty, well, someone's car. They're drinking pops drinks and they're just like, okay. Nothing like watching your childhood go up in flames. It's very much the oh, movie. I love it. Such it. a mm -hmm. good reference. They start making out and getting it on the car. Ugh. It's very hot. It's cute. I'm into it. <laughs> it's very them. So we we go back to everyone singing. And, you know, they start taking off the like the jackets of their characters and we just see them. The parents kind of start like realizing that they're not singing as characters anymore. They're singing as themselves and they're they're doing a reprise of the 17, but also beautiful. Yes. So Jughead's got a Southside shirt on. He puts on his hat. Betty's wearing the Jughead sweater. It's the first time we've seen it since the first season. So that's kind of cool. And so they they finish it with beautiful and all the parents are really like shocked by this. And so the show ends and nobody's doing anything. And all of a sudden we hear this rhythmic clapping from one person <laughs> and we zoom in and he stands up and we cut to Evelyn ever and ever. And she goes, I knew my dad would like it. Oh, it's so creepy. Which threw me for the biggest loop because for a, for a long time, I didn't even think he was real. I was very oh, yeah. convinced that he didn't actually exist. So when she said that, I was like, oh, wait, there is like he does exist. Oh, yeah. So we, we cut back into Edgar and then we see other members of the audience 
uh, join in the clapping and they stand up. They're all dressed in white. We see Mr. Uh, Principal Weatherby. He's in part of them. And we also see Mrs. Muggs. We've seen her before. Oh, and so she is now I part of them, too. I knew too. who that was. I couldn't yeah. remember. And then Betty, we, we zoom in and end the episode with Betty's freaked out face. Oh, Riverdale. So if you're wondering who Edgar uh, is, it's ah! Chad Michael Murray. Yes, Miss Lucas oh my God. from One Tree Hill. So it is CW royalty. I somehow mm-hmm. missed the casting announcement on this dude. But when I, I was looking up INDB, I was like, okay, we've got to reveal who this is, guy is soon. So I was looking up, I was like, oh my fucking God, it's Chad Michael Murray. Like based on all of the parent casting up to this point, this is just like a stroke of genius to pull him oh, in. Oh, it's perfect. The only person I think would have been slightly better was James Vanderbeek, but I know he's not available. But oh. Oh, the CW royalty, actually WB royalty, really almost at that. I love it. Ah, April, were you ever a fan of One Tree Hill? So the irony is I've watched One Tree Hill through maybe 10 times. Like all the, I I love One Tree Hill. I love Chad Michael Murray, obsessed. And I had finished One Tree Hill looking for the next thing to watch, which is how I started watching Riverdale. Oh, nice, nice. So then when Chad Michael Murray pops up, I was like, oh, wait. It's perfect. (laughs) It's all full circle. I'm a big fan. Big fan. Amazing. So, April, what is your big prediction for this season, for the rest of the season? (sighs) With Chad Michael Murray being Edgar, Mm -hmm. I think he... I just see him being really sleazy mm-hmm. and like very like predatory. Okay, true. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a cult leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And knowing who, what's his daughter Evelyn? I could just see him kind of preying on like Cheryl. Oh yeah, because she's money bag, especially because she's this like emotionally fragile. Like she just had this thing with Tony, and I can just see her kind of being his next like dig into Riverdale high. Mm-hmm. That's my like anticipation. And I would like Hermione to die too. I liked that suggestion. <laughs> so I'm hopeful. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for our show. Thank you so much for coming on and talking Heathers and Riverdale. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Absolutely. We're going to have to do this more often because this was way fun. I agree. I am always down. Awesome. All right. Well, if people wanted to find more April, where might they be able to find more April on the internets? So you can follow me on Instagram at April Lorraine, and I'm on Twitter at April Lorraine 4. Cool. And always remember, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, our website, MacintoshandMod.com. Just type the words Macintosh and Mod into your Google browser, and you'll find everywhere that we're located. And of course, as always, we are going to take a quick break. If you don't want any spoilers or new information, then uh, go ahead and cut out now. And also, please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. Otherwise, stick around and we're going to talk about the next time on. Get to play with Edgar ever, never. And the gargoyles, for that matter. Yeah, okay, so I guess Betty's going undercover, or she's going to try to infiltrate the farm one way or another. 
Mostly by using one Cheryl Blossom. Well, great. <laughs> I, I just have no hopes for her at this point. Yeah, that looks super cool. Hermione's getting death threats. That's cool. Just keep on keeping on with her. Yep, yep. Let's just murder her real quick, please. Jughead's going after Kurtz. They we see them going through a window. And in the meantime, Archie's she... going after all the gargoyles. Yeah. So we see Mad Dog come back. Hmm. Wonder if Mad Dog is actually a gargoyle. I mean, you could twist it if you wanted to that way. But I think one of the things we're getting here, the episode is called The Raid, and there's a whole lot of action sequences involved in this that is pointing to the reference of the movie The Raid. It's going to be interesting. I look forward to it. This looks like a more action-packed episode. We haven't had that in a bit, so I'm into it. I mean, we have to. We just got done with a bunch of character building. It's time to go do something with that. Let's go do something with this new information we have. Little and bit. this fuel, this emotional fuel. I'm here for it. I'm excited. Hmm. All right. Well, until next time. Hashtag Go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.